Please contribute to the Historian's Podcast Fund Drive. You'll find the link to our 2023 GoFundMe campaign and an explanation of how to donate by mail on our website, bobcudmore.com. Hello, this is Mark Dewitziak. Uh, I'm the author of the recently published A Mystery of Mystery, The Death and Life of Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm the author or editor of about 25 books, and this is the first one that I've written about uh, Mr. Poe. Uh, it, it may seem like a bit of a stretch for me uh, in some ways, because the five of my books are about Mark Twain. I guess if there is an author I'm most associated with, it's Mark Twain. I've, I've done a, a fair amount of work on, I guess, what you'd call the spooky side of the street. Uh, one of my books is on Dracula. One is on the Night Stalker series with Darren McGavin and reporter Carl Kolshak, who always seemed to have a supernatural case that he was working on. I did a book on The Twilight Zone. It was that book, The Twilight Zone, which kind of led to this book. I was uh, That book was published by St. Martin's in 2017. It had done uh, fairly well. It's called Everything I Need to Know I Learned in the Twilight Zone. It's kind of a, a look at the, the series through the moral lessons and the uh, the parables that the Twilight Zone told. It, it struck me that each Twilight Zone episode was a parable and had a moral behind it. And I thought, well, if you could extract that, you'd have a, a wonderful book of life lessons. So that book was mm -hmm. in the nature of 50 conversations, and it did pretty well. And you always kind of have that next conversation with your publisher when you're when a book does well about, okay, well, What's the next book going to be? I had this conversation with an editor at St. Martin's, and uh, it was a very nice conversation, except for one thing, which was that uh, every book I suggested to them, they didn't like. And then every book they suggested to me, I didn't like. So I, I thought we were, go we were heading towards sort of tabling the conversation and picking it up at another time. And we were just about wrapping it up and getting off the phone when the editor said, what about Edgar Allan Poe? That sort of snapped my attention, and I said, uh, what made you say that? And the editor said, well, if you look at your, your resume, it seems like that would be a very good fit. You've done books on mystery, like your book on the Columbo series. You've done books on horror subjects. You've done a, books on great literary figures. It seems if you put all those things together that you've written about, the answer comes back, Edgar Allan Poe. In A Mystery of Mysteries, The Death and Life of Edgar Allan Poe, author Mark DeWidziak investigate the facts of Edgar Allan Poe's strange death in Baltimore and revisits the moments of his storm-tossed life. A very interesting story about how you came to Poe as a topic, and tell us about, uh, you focus on Poe's death. Uh, can you uh, review the what is known about Poe's death for us? This is what we know, which is that in late September 1849, he was in Richmond, Virginia. He had spent the summer in Richmond. He left Richmond, and his goal, his ultimate destination, was to get back to New York. Uh, he was living in a cottage in what is now the Bronx, uh, not too far away from Fordham. And he, he was living there for the last few years of his life. And so when he left Richmond, he was heading back towards the cottage in New York. For some reason, he, he gets on a steamer, 
in Richmond, and he gets off for some reason in Baltimore. But why? We don't know. There are missing days. There there, there are several missing days between the time he's last seen getting on that steamer in Richmond and when he is found outside of a polling place in Baltimore looking very disheveled, wearing clothes that were not his own, and being semi-conscious. One of the things you always hear about Poe is that Poe died drunk in the gutter. Uh, No part of that sentence is true. We don't know that he had been drinking. There's no actual proof that he was inebriated, but that was the cause of his stupor when he was found. And he was certainly not found in the gutter. He was found sitting uh, somewhat upright on a plank, which was between two, uh, two barrels, outside of a polling place. So he was taken to a hospital. He lingered for several days. And on the morning of October 7th, he died. He breathed his last. That's all we know for certain. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. else around Poe's death, the missing days, the cause of his death, even the circumstances of his death, because all of the people who witnessed Poe in those last few days surrounding his death changed their stories over the years. Uh, the, the attending physician, John Moran, who is the one person who we should be able to look to for hard evidence and having been a good witness, is a terrible witness. He, <laughs> he, he, he left behind three accounts of Poe's death. They are wildly different. They are contradictory. We can't trust almost anything that the primary witness to Poe's death left behind. So there is a huge mystery surrounding not only... It's a double-barreled mystery. It's not just a mystery, because... Uh, the, the sort of the focus of this book also came out of that conversation with the publisher, because when he suggested Poe, I said, what kind of book are you, t- are you thinking of? And he said, well, there's, there's this wonderful mystery about how he died. And I kind of immediately went, whoa, 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 hold it. You are certainly not suggesting that uh, I should write a book that will definitively solve the mystery of Poe's death. For for one thing, it seems like one of those books arrives on the noon stage every other year. It's like a book that 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 purports to solve the the mystery of Jack the Ripper. You know, how many times has the mystery of Jack the Ripper's identity been solved definitively? Maybe fifteen, sixteen times. Right. I you know, I, I said if that's what you're thinking, because. All of the witnesses are unreliable. There is no soft tissue, surviving soft tissue, no forensic evidence. It's a cold case that goes back to 1849. If that's what you're suggesting, then find yourself another lunatic, because this one is driving away. I said, but i tell you what I will do. I'll write you a biography of Edgar Allan Poe that examines his life through the mystery of his death. And if I can come up with a compelling theory as to how he died, I will present it in the book. However, if I can't, I'm not going to claim to do something that is beyond the realm of responsible investigation and responsible biography. And they agree to that. They agree to that. Because I said, you know, ultimately, it's much more important how Poe lived and how he died. Did you come up with a compelling theory about how he died? I think so. 
I, I, I believe there is a I, – I did – I tried to approach this as an actual investigation. One of the things that this book is uh, – it is not a traditional biography, and in, in a lot of senses it's not a traditional biography. This is not what I would view as trying to be the definitive academic biography of Edgar Allan Poe. There are, are much, much better people to do that, or at least there better be. And so this was meant to be a popular biography of Poe. Um, I, I never uh, intended it to be anything else. And uh, I also spent uh, 43 years as a journalist uh, at such newspapers as the Akron Beacon Journal and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. So I used the tools of, of a journalist and in some ways the documentarian in doing this. And that, and that is that I did interviews with that. And so how do you do interviews when you're writing a biography of somebody who died in 1849. Well, mm-hmm. the, the, the way you do interviews is to go to the leading expert on various aspects of Poe's life and personality. There is an army of academic scholarship out there about Poe, and not to use that and not to take advantage of that would be dereliction of duty. So I went to many of the leading Poe scholars, and particularly those who were specialists, maybe in just his time in Baltimore, or just his time in his association with Boston, or his Southern identity. How important was Southern identity to Poe? All of these aspects of Poe's life and personality, I called on those experts, and then I quoted them. I interviewed them, and I asked them to speak as candidly as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from that process came gold. Um, I also went to forensic experts. I have an FBI agent in the mix of experts, experts in uh, various diseases, experts in health conditions in Poe's time in the 1830s and 1840s. Um, I talked to a forensic pathologist who was fascinated by the life of Edgar Allan Poe and studied the case for me, actually went about this as, as a detective. <laughs> Are you going to tell us what the theory is? My theory is that Poe died of t- tuberculosis meningitis. If this was a criminal investigation, you look at the, sus- the, the suspects, and the suspects are not people. The suspects are this long list of possible causes of death. Rabies has is, is, is always been put forward as one. A heart condition. All sorts of theories have been put forward for Poe's death. So one of the things this book does is it examines the various causes and it dismisses some, shoots down some of the causes as unlikely to impossible. And then it focuses in on the primary suspects. To me, the primary suspect is tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, if it was a suspect and we were a police team, you and I, we would have it in the investigation room as our primary person of interest. We would keep going back to it because tuberculosis has the most constant means and opportunity to get him. His mother died of tuberculosis when he was three years old. His brother died of tuberculosis. Almost his wife died of tuberculosis. It's around him all the time. And as almost all of the leading medical experts that I interviewed uh, about this has said, there is not one question that Poe had tuberculosis. Most people at that point probably did back, back in that time. If you were alive in the 1830s, 
you probably had been exposed to tuberculosis, and it was probably in your system somewhere. It didn't huh. mean it was active. Kind of the but, pandemic of its day. Oh, very much so, except it was constant, it was ongoing. And in this case, you know, what, what tuberculosis says, you get infected by it, it you have the, the active, alive tuberculosis in your system, usually in your lungs, and it heals over. It, it, it forms these little uh, pockets on your lungs. Now, over time, different things can make those break down. Uh, you can, stress can make those things break down. Poverty, bad diet, alcohol, all of those things fit Edgar Allan Poe. If tuberculosis is our main suspect, and I believe it is, then you also look at it had accomplices. What are the accomplices? Well, Poe had a problem with alcohol. We know it affected him very badly. He probably didn't drink as much as the stereotype says he did. So you look at alcohol as a secondary cause. You look at poverty, because he's always battling poverty his entire life. The poor guy never caught a break, and he was always just a, a, a few steps ahead of the creditors. So you have uh, you have diet, you have poverty, you have living conditions, you have exposure to the gases that they used in illumination back then. While that's unlikely a cause of death, it could have contributed to a weakening of his condition. And you see this in the last few years of his life. Most of the pictures we have of Edgar Allan Poe were taken during the last two, three years of his life. And if you look at the, 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 the one that was taken, the earliest, he still looks pretty good. If you look at the last picture, which was taken just days before his death in Richmond, he looks terrible. And those pictures are a document of somebody in rapid decline, in rapid health decline. So I think that a life of hard, of hard was catching up with him. I, pro- I think it probably was a combination of all those factors which caused the tuberculosis to go active. Well, there's the death. But as you say, there's also the life and, and, uh, what, he, uh, and what he accomplished, even with all these uh, troubles around him. One thing you told me that I wasn't aware of, you say he was linked to five cities? That's right. He was, he was born in Boston uh, in, in 1809, and he grew up when his, after his mother died uh, when he was three. He was the foster child of a Richmond merchant named John Allen, which is where the middle name comes from of the Edgar Allan Poe. He didn't use that, by the way, in his lifetime. To the world, he preferred either Edgar Poe or Edgar A. Poe. He would not have used the Allen. Uh, we use it. Uh, that has become uh, our way of knowing him. So uh, he was, grew up in Richmond, and his family was from Baltimore. And he lived there in the 1830s. He lived in New York off and on uh, on three different occasions. He was he had residences in New York. Then he spent his glorious years as a writer of short stories uh, in the early 1840s in Philadelphia. So those five cities each have a major claim on Edgar Allan Poe. And he, he, he he's always on the move throughout his entire life. That's one of the things about Poe is that... Uh, he only lived to be 40, and I think the, uh, one of the things that this book tries to do is it tries to destroy that sort of uh, funhouse mirror stereotype we have of Poe. 
I think if if if, if you asked anybody to describe Edgar Allan Poe, they would come up with a very gloomy fellow. The the stereotype is the guy up in the attic, hmm. surrounded by cobwebs, a a raven perched on his shoulder, a black cat on his desk, and a bottle of cognac, and he's spinning out these mad tales and these fever dreams, probably addicted to drugs and probably drunk. And none of that's true. None of that is who Edgar Allan Poe was. That's kind of the gothic myth we've made of him, the pop culture myth we've made of him. Well, I especially liked uh, a lot of his uh, short stories. I uh, printed out a, a list of, of them, and uh, there was a, I haven't in years, but I remember reading uh, The Mask of the Red Death and I always liked the murders in the room morgue, uh, the pit and the pendulum. The purloined letter was a, uh, kind of a cute little thing, and the telltale heart. As you indicate, uh, you talked about the raven, he wrote poetry. And his pro his best-known work uh, is that poem about the raven, isn't it? Sure, absolutely. His, and it was, it was the one thing that gave him... A, uh, a reputation as, as a writer, as a creative writer. This is another thing that I think people would be shocked to know about Edgar Allan Poe. In his lifetime, he was not best known as the author of horror or mystery stories. He was not best known as a poet. He was best known as a critic. His reputation as a writer was based on his authority as a, a critic primarily of, of literature. And he was such a severe critic, his nickname was the Tomahawk Man. So <laughs> he was, so in his time, he was first known as a critic. He was secondarily known as a poet. And his third, he was known as the spinner of horror and mystery tales. Our culture, our time, we've reversed that order. Today, he's primarily known as a horror writer. He's primarily known for the horror story. Secondarily, he's known as a poet. And third, if he's known at all as a critic, people know, oh, yes, he was also a critic. So we've reversed the order of what he was best known for in his time. If you probably could ask Poe and said, what would you want to be remembered for? He would have said the poetry. He, he, he viewed him first himself as first and foremost a romantic poet. And I think, hope I get the big shot's name right. Uh, isn't it so that Ralph Waldo Emerson didn't like the Raven? No, uh, actually, um, well, well, Poe feuded with the Boston, uh, uh, the transcendentalists and the, 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 the people of the Boston uh, literary elite. Uh, he felt like an outsider. He picked fights with them. And he most notoriously picked fights with uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And he accused Longfellow of plagiarism. And, and, and Longfellow was about the best-loved uh, poet in America at the time. So you know, Poe had a way of starting feuds and making enemies, and even making enemies of people who could have uh, done him a lot of good. One thing that is true about Edgar Allan Poe is that he was his own worst enemy, often enough throughout his life. There are so many moments in Poe's life where uh, he, he, he takes exactly the wrong moment to pick a fight. Uh, he takes the exact wrong moment to take a drink. You know, and that's another myth about Poe is that he was drinking a lot. There was, no, he was, there were these long moments of sobriety. Poe only lived to be 40, 
And his reputation today rests on this little handful of stories and poems, many of the titles you just named. But the truth is, Poe wrote enough to fill 17 volumes. The collected works of Edgar Allan Poe fill 17 volumes, and he only lived to be 40 years old. That's a tremendous output, and it requires a lot of discipline. And Poe had that discipline, and he also had those long periods of sobriety. What is true is that Poe had a problem with alcohol, and it took almost very little alcohol to get him very drunk. He had an allergic reaction to alcohol. There's witness after witness that says he would throw back one drink, and he would throw it back. If he'd barely taste it, he would just charge it down, and he would be roaring drunk within seconds. It just took that much to make it look like he'd had an entire night of drinking. And then his system paid for it. He would be in bad shape for several days after these bouts of drinking. So it didn't take much to get Poe drunk, and he, he, and, he, and he takes the worst possible moments to drink in his life as well. So he does have a problem with alcohol, but it's not quite the problem a lot of people think of, which is that he was drinking all the time. Which, uh, and again, that fits the myth. That fits the stereotype of Poe. Mm. Um, if I told you that Poe was athletic, would you be surprised? Yes. He was. <laughs> he, he was an excellent boxer. He was an excellent long jumper. He won long jumping contests. As a youth, he swam the river outside of Richmond against the current on a bet. He was like a, a, a local hero for, for, for this amazing feat of physical strength in the hot sun. And he was a soldier. He, for most of his life, did not wear a mustache. So he, you have to picture Poe as a guy who stood upright, had a soldier's gait, was in great health, walked everywhere. That doesn't fit the stereotype of Poe either, because our picture of Poe comes from those last two years when all the pictures come from. So we don't think of him as a guy without the mustache, looking pretty hale and hearty, and being this athletic, if I told you Poe had a great sense of humor, would you be surprised? Not really. I would think he would. Great whimsy and a great uh, sense of humor. He was very funny, and he wrote humor. He wrote mm -hmm. as much humor as he did horror. There are as many humorous pieces by Edgar Allan Poe as there are horror stories. The problem is we don't read the humor stories. He had a falling out with Alan, Edgar Allan Poe, and that Alan was the man who really raised him. It was kind of a wealthy a Southern gentleman. Was Poe also a Southern gentleman? Was he a racist? I think Poe was definitely, by any definition of the time, a Southern gentleman. He aspired to be of the Southern aristocracy. That's what he thought his destiny would be. I think he thought he was going to inherit money from John Allen and that he would become a member of the, the Southern aristocracy, and that he would have a career as a uh, gentleman poet. If, if John Allen did us a great favor. He, he, by, by disinheriting Poe, by not leaving him any money, he forced Poe to be the writer we wanted him to be. And, he, and yes, he, would, he held racist attitudes. There's no question about that, but almost everybody did. Did he believe in the superiority of the white race? Yes, he did. Almost every white American in, in, in America in the 1830s believed in the superiority of the white race. 
was he a racist uh, by today's standards? Unquestionably. Mm-hmm. Did he have, uh, you know, was was he, uh, did he sympathize more with Southern way of life and the Southern way of thinking? Yes. Would he have fought for the Confederacy in 12 years later? He dies mm-hmm. in 1849. Would he have fought for the That's not so easily answered. And it's also, you're, you're in the, the realm of speculation, which is discouraged by any biography. But, you know, you also point out that his politics were more on he was a con, on the conservative side. He considered himself a Whig as a as a, as a political party, and the Whigs became the Republicans. <laughs> so that's not so easy to say that he would have just naturally, you know, been on the side of the Confederacy. Um, he certainly, the city of his heart was Richmond, so he considered himself probably a Virginian for even though he was born in Boston, he considered himself a Virginian more than he did anything else. Um, but even there, there's a debate as to how important was Southern identity to Poe. I mean, he, he certainly probably was more Southern when he was in Virginia and Richmond, but he spent a lot of his writing time and a lot of his life in New York and Philadelphia. And he fit in just fine there. He fit in, you know, I, I think Poe pictured himself more as a man of the world than he did a northerner or a southerner. Is Edgar Allan Poe hot right now? I mean, you've got this your book out, and you talked about others that have written, you know, written about him. I mean, is, is he still popular? Oh yes, I think he's the I think he's the the the, the, the most read. American writer, not only in the United States, but around the world. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think I could, you know, prove that very easily, very, very easily, which is, first off, he's one of the most recognizable. If you show somebody, there's a reason Edgar Allan Poe's picture, now, and now granted, it's the stereotype, but if you show people a picture of Edgar Allan Poe, we put him on T-shirts, we put him on buttons, we put him on handbags, we put him on, he's marketed. He, he, he's marketed all, all, all over the world. And if you show people a picture of Edgar Allan Poe, there is a very, very good chance they know who, who it is. Well, there's no, only one other American writer uh, that you can do that with, and that's Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. They're probably the only two people that you could show to the average American, and the average American has a shot at identifying. Would the average American be able to identify Herman Melville? Would they be able to tell you what Henry Wadsworth Longfellow looked like or Emerson? I don't think so. Would they, would they be able to pick him out of a police lineup? No. <laughs> you know, but, but Poe and Twain continue to be these kind of iconic figures. But Poe's better read because Poe has stayed curriculum. Everybody gets Edgar Allan Poe. Long about the 7th, 8th, ninth grade, you get the Raven. You get the Telltale Heart. You get the pit and the pendulum. And then you get it in high school, and you probably get a little bit of it in college. Poe has stayed solidly curriculum for all of these years. My father got Poe in high school in the 1930s. I got Poe in high school in the 1970s. And and my daughter got Poe. In junior high school. Mark DeWidziak is author of A Mystery of Mysteries, The Death and Life of Edgar Allan Poe, 
We're almost out of time, but let me just ask you a quick question about your other interest, which is this other author you keep mentioning, Mark Twain. You you do a Twain presentation? I do. I've, I have played Twain on stage for 44 years. I was 22 years old when I first started playing Twain, and it took me two hours to look like Mark Twain. It now takes me about five minutes. That makeup <laughs> process has gotten shorter every few years. And I would always say when I when to talk about playing Twain is that uh, I, I don't say this in the way of name dropping, but uh, Hal Holbrook was a very dear and close friend. And I would not have even thought of stepping on stage as Mark Twain without Hal's knowledge, permission, blessing. He was the uh, the gold standard when it came to portraying Mark Twain. So if I get even just the littlest bit of the genius of the way Hal portrayed him, that would be pretty high praise. And quickly, how about playing Edgar Allan Poe? I'm a little long in the tooth for that. Poe, I'm 66, and Poe died at 40. It, it, the, the makeup would have to go the other way. Mark DeWidziak has been talking with us about his book, A Mystery of Mysteries, The Death and Life of Edgar Allan Poe. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.